The Bible reading today comes from Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The child grew and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, Get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, Do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water and the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, let me add my welcome to that given by Tom before. My name's Mal York. I'm the senior minister here, and it's a real privilege to come and look at God's word with you this morning. Over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the great story of Abraham and particularly how he believed God and the amazing way that God has been working in his life. But for a while, we've been waiting for a crucial promise of God's to be fulfilled. And that is that Sarah and Abraham will have a baby born of their own flesh. Back in chapter 15, Abraham believed that God would fulfill this promise and this was credited to him as righteousness. And ever since chapter 15, it seems that Abraham has done everything but be patient and wait for the Lord to fulfill this promise. He's had a baby with his wife's maidservant. 
He circumcised himself at the age of 99 years old. Plus, he allowed his wife to be taken into the household of another man. Three scenarios that made it seem like God's promises would never come true for Abraham. But despite these, time and time again, we've seen God's grace and mercy upon Abraham and God's ability to fulfill his promises, despite Abraham's sinfulness. By the time of this passage, Abraham has been waiting for 25 years for God to fulfill this promise. Well, today we see God's grace in action again, and the way that he fulfilled his promise to Abraham, that showed and showed mercy to Hagar and Ishmael, and the way that he blessed Abimelech. And through this, we'll be challenged as to how we respond to God's grace when it's shown to us. But before we look at all this, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come and look at your word today. We pray that you will open our ears to what it has to say. Help us to see your wonderful grace in action and help us to respond appropriately. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you do have your Bibles open, uh, it will be helpful uh, at the passage that was read out to us. I'll, I'll be referring to it throughout the talk today. Well, the first aspect that we see in this passage is that God fulfills his promise of a child to Abraham and Sarah. And we see this in verses 1 to 2. Let me remind you of what it says. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Sarah that day when she first recognized that her tummy was starting to expand? To feel the movement of that baby that she had been longing for for so many years. To see the, the foot poke out of her aging skin as over the period of nine months, this small baby grew inside her womb. Could you imagine her excitement as she said to Abraham, after all these years, I am pregnant. It must have been an amazing thing for her. Then when we hear the first cry come out of the baby's mouth after it was born, what a momentous occasion this must have been. Here is the child who is the fulfillment of God's promises. For Abraham, who had left his extended family, who had been wandering through foreign lands with the words of the Lord ringing in his ears for the last 25 years, you will have as many descendants as there are stars in the sky now being fulfilled before his very eyes. It must have been a day of great joy and, and laughter and, and happiness. For God, the true and living God, had fulfilled his promise. God had shown his almighty grace to Abraham and Sarah that at the age of 100 years old, Abraham and, and Sarah at 90 years old, now they're in the sight of all, holding a baby of their own. And look at, in the passage at how all the credit goes to God for this. Can you see there in verse 1? The Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. In verse 2, Sarah bore a son at the very time God had promised. It was the Lord who was gracious to Sarah. She did nothing to deserve this. She did nothing to earn this. She certainly couldn't do it on her own. Her body was as good as dead in regard to having children. But the Lord in his mercy was gracious and provided this child for Sarah and Abraham according to his promises. And how did they respond to this? With faithful obedience. Have a look with me at verses 3 to 4. 
Abraham gave the name Isaac uh, to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded him. Here Abraham calls his son Isaac, which God commanded him to do back in Genesis 17 verse 19, and then goes on to circumcise him when he was eight days old, as the Lord had commanded him back in chapter 17 verse 9. You see, the circumcision was a sign of the covenant that God had made with Abraham when God confirmed the promises that he made with Abraham back in chapter 17. Could you imagine what it would have been like for Abraham to circumcise his son here? Here is the the one whom, whom God has fulfilled his promises through. I can remember when I first held Thomas, my eldest son, in, in my hands for the first time. I remember looking into his eyes and saying to him, I'm your dad. You are my son. You will always be a York and you will carry on the York name. It was so amazing to have this little life in my hand. And I can really empathize with what Abraham would have been feeling here. My son the promised child, the one whom God will continue to bring about his promises through, you are finally here. And Sarah, relieved, acknowledges the momentous occasion and she marvels in the miracle of God when she says in verse 6 to 7, have a look with me. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son In his old age. Who would have thought? Then, after he was weaned at about the age of three, Abraham held a great feast celebrating the birth of his son. What it must have been like for Abraham as he reflected on God's amazing grace to him. But this was only ever foreshadowing something even greater, wasn't it, friends? God was pointing through Abraham to the even greater way that God would show his grace and mercy to all mankind fulfilling his promises ultimately with that promised one of God that we read throughout the Old Testament who finally came in in flesh, the fulfillment of God. It must have been amazing that day in the temple when Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to be circumcised eight days after his birth and they met Simeon who said of Jesus in Luke chapter 2 verses 29 to 32, Sovereign Lord, As you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Jesus was the fulfillment to a promise that was over 2,000 years in the coming. Abraham waited 25 years, but Israel waited over 2,000 years. And he is the ultimate fulfillment of the promises to Abraham. Friends, Jesus is God's gracious gift to us, our salvation, our light, and our glory. You see, friends, God, by his grace, fulfills his promises. The second thing that we see in this passage is that God shows mercy to Ishmael. Have a look with me at verses 8 to 12. The child grew up and was weaned, and on the day that Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, Get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter greatly distressed Abraham because it concerned his son. But God said to him, Do not be distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. 
So we read here that Ishmael was watching the festivals and he begins to mock Isaac. It's a different type of laughing that Sarah has just talked about. Rather, Ishmael is laughing at, the, at Isaac in a mocking way. While we're not sure of the content of the mocking, it's probably something to do with how Ishmael is older or, or, or something like that. What it is, is a rejection of the child of promise. Ishmael has decided that the promised child does not seem to be worth the wait. So he mocks the child. He's unwilling to accept what God has revealed to Abraham and Sarah. He's unable to trust the promises of God. In fact, Paul in Galatians uses the differences between the conceptions of Ishmael and Isaac to illustrate his point of trying to earn God's favor through works versus through grace. Abraham worked his way to bring about the promises of God to produce Ishmael, but needed to trust in God's grace. He needed to trust and wait for the promises of God in the arrival of Isaac. And so for Ishmael, who is now a young man, he outright rejects God's way of working here. He rejects the promises of God fulfilled in Isaac. And as you can imagine, this mocking starts to upset Sarah. So she asks Abraham to get rid of him and Hagar. She did this once before back in chapter 16 and Abraham gave in to her will, but in God's mercy brought them back within the family unit. But now Sarah is asking to have Ishmael and Hagar sent away for good. As you can imagine, this would have churned Abraham apart. He also loved Ishmael. However, Ishmael was not the child of promise and Ishmael is now rejecting the child of promise. So Abraham knows what he needs to do. Abraham has really made a mess here, hasn't he? While he was impatient in waiting for God's promises to be fulfilled, he uh, uh, and Sarah suggested that he slept with Hagar. And his impatience means that Ishmael was born, who was never to be the child of promise. He was never to be the one that God would work, fulfill his purposes through. And just look at the heartache that taking things into his own hands has created for him. I'm not sure if you've ever done something that you thought was right, but on reflection has just created heartache. Or you've been tempted into something and given into sin, only to create regret later in your life. Like someone who was tempted by that woman at work and did not think that giving into her advances would be a problem, only to now be divorced from his wife and estranged from his children. Or the person who thought that that extra drink before they drove home couldn't do any harm, only to find that the accident that they were killed in, there was a little child who uh, now they face some time in prison. As a volunteer ambulance chaplain, I've been called into scenes where people have given into their temptation or taken things into their own hand and as a result have caused accident, injury or harm to others. You see, friends, as Christians, we're not immune to making these mistakes as well. But we need to remember that there are consequences for these actions and it can mean hardship in the future and this is exactly what we're seeing with abraham and ishmael abraham's mistake has stuck with him since he took matters into his own own hand but notice that god in his mercy despite these mistakes made by abraham and sarah uses them for his purposes see there in verse 13 god will still make ishmael into a great nation he will still bless his first son despite him not being the son of promise then again in verse 17 to 20, God looks after and cares for Ishmael and Hagar. Have a look what it says. God heard the boy crying and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. 
Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went in and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. So here, God shows his mercy to Hagar and Ishmael in the way that he looks after them. Once again, fulfilling his promise to Abraham made back in verse 13, but also fulfilling the promise made to Hagar back in Genesis 16.10. Despite the fact that he's not the child of promise, and really came about when Abraham and Sarah took matters into their own hand, God still shows grace and mercy to him. It is a reminder to us, isn't it, that God can work and still does work in situations despite us. His grace and mercy is still available to us despite our sin. But ultimately, this is the message of the cross. Sinful human beings rejecting and killing God's Son. Yet for God, it was the way that he was showing his grace and mercy to the world in redeeming the world. But it's not just a message for you and I, is it, friends? God's grace and mercy extends to the whole world. This message of, of God's salvation extends to all who will trust in Jesus and believe. It's wonderful to serve a God who cares for all the nations. And it's a good challenge for us. Do we care in this way too? Well, the final aspect that we see in this passage is that God, by his grace, continues to fulfill his gracious promises to Abraham and the blessings to him overflow to others. Abraham is back chatting with Abimelech, who we see there in verse 22. He sees that God is with Abraham in everything that he does. Uh, Abimelech has been pretty good to Abraham. In the last chapter, we saw that he financially blessed Abraham, plus allowed him to live anywhere in the kingdom. And on top of this, God has obviously been blessing Abraham both materially and now with a son through Sarah. Abimelech can see this and so thinks it would be better for him to make friendship with Abraham rather than being his enemy. It's better to have a prophet of God on his side rather than against him. So he approaches Abraham and negotiates with him, especially over a well. And Abraham gives Abimelech payment for the well to show that it's really his. So there's no disputing this in the future. And then in the end, we see a treaty is made between them. It's great to see Abraham taking this different approach to Abimelech. Last time, he tried to deceive him. But now Abraham is being upfront about who he is and the Lord that he serves. And Abimelech sees this. He knows that Abraham is powerful and that Abraham is a good person to have on his side. We really see here Abraham coming of age. No longer is he this timid nomad looking to hide himself and his wife from other kings. But now he's established. He's established himself in a place, in the promised land. He's made purchases of the well from Abimelech. God has blessed him with a son. His possessions have increased. And now kings are looking to make treaties with him. No doubt this is a time when Abraham would have thought to himself, I've made it. I've made it here. Uh, I, I've got everything that I need. And, and really, he's, he, he could have relied upon himself and given credit to himself for what, he, what has happened. Often we're like that, aren't we? God may have blessed us by being uh, born in Australia or, or, or we've come here to Australia through immigration. But nevertheless, we are here. And through God's mercy, we've received an education. He's allowed us to live in a part of the world where, where sickness is generally controlled, where we enjoy relatively good health. His, his blessings have given us opportunity, especially now that we live in a, a part of Sydney that is very beautiful. We've, and many of us have been 
materially blessed with roofs over our head and enough supply of food and material possessions that really we don't want anymore, do we? In many ways, we're like Abraham in this passage. We've accumulated a lot and this has built confidence and not unlike what we see with Abraham here in the passage. But this is often when our experience starts to differ with Abraham. Our material accumulation often builds a sense of self-confidence and pride. And as we become more important in the eyes of the world, we forget God and all that he's done for us. We forget that all that we have only came because of the blessings that God has bestowed upon us. We forget that we are, uh, our education only be, be came because of God's grace and mercy, that we can live in a place like Roseville because of God's grace and mercy, and that we can have a good standing in our lives because, well, this is what God has done for us and where he has brought us. But Abraham is not like this. You see, after Abimelech leaves, we see that Abraham calls on the name of the Lord. He brings praise to God and acknowledges the great relationship that he has with God. He recognizes that it is only by God's grace that he is in the position that he's in. Abraham certainly has done everything in contrary, in pretending Sarah was his sister twice, in taking matters into his own hands to bring about the promises of God. But now he's established, and so he comes to God in prayer. It's a prayer showing how Abraham not only glorifies God, but also relies completely upon him. This is the third time in Genesis we see Abraham calling on God's name. And God continues to bless Abraham for this. See in verse 34, we see that Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines for a long time. I mean, how amazing is God here? He's blessing Abraham. He, he's blessing the nations around Abraham as they notice that God is on his side. And he continues to look after Abraham. The fact that he stayed in the land such a long time and lived relatively peacefully with those around him. And if we read on in Genesis, we see this is exactly what happens. It's a direct fulfillment of the promises found in Genesis 12. That all the nations of the earth will be blessed through Abraham and Abraham himself will be blessed. God uses Abraham to bless the world. God has also blessed Abraham in many ways. Friends, do we give credit where credit is due? Do we acknowledge that all we have is a gift from God and that we are to live our lives that bring glory and honor to Him? It's amazing when people have this attitude of living for God more than themselves, taking uh, being a disciple of God seriously, because people around them start to ask them why they live this way. I've had the privilege of leading a few people to Jesus over the past few years, and many of them, many of them have commented to me that a reason why they wanted to put their trust in Jesus was because they saw the way that many other Christians were living out their Christian life. You see, friends, people are watching you and I as we live. And so we need to make sure that we're not like Abraham back in chapter 20, being deceptive, fearing man above God, but rather being like Abraham in chapter 21, living their lives in thankfulness to our great God and King. Remember the words of 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 12? Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. It's through this that God will not only bless us, but bless those around us as well. God's grace overflows from us to others. Well, friends, how do we respond to God's grace? 
In the passage we saw that God showed his grace to Abraham and Sarah in fulfilling his promises to them. We saw God showing his grace to Ishmael and Hagar in caring for them and was with uh, Ishmael as he grew up. And we saw God showing his grace to Abraham and this overflowed to those around him. The question is, how do we respond to God's mercy and grace? Well, listen to the words of Paul in Romans 12. I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Friends, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's grace, are we offering ourselves as living sacrifices? We need to live lives that reflect the grace and mercy of God. We need to be those who wear our hearts on our sleeve, hearts that reflect what God has done for us. And this means speaking about him as if he's the most important person in your life, in your life because he's, he's saved you and he's shown his grace to you. This means living upright lives so that people will not call us to account for being hypocrites, but living in a way that brings glory and honor to God. This means being open about our faith in our dealings with people, in the knowledge that God just may be using us to draw to him someone else whom he has chosen for eternal life. This means giving to God's mission, not because of what we will get out of it, but because we recognize that all that we have was firstly given to us as a gift from God, and we long to see his grace shown in this way to others. Friends, are you offering yourself as a living sacrifice in view of God's grace and mercy shown to you. This is what it means to live as a disciple of his. Well, let me pray that our great God will help us to live this way and use us according to his grace and mercy. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the grace and mercy that you have shown to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Use us, Heavenly Father, as living sacrifices to help others know of your grace and mercy shown to them. And we pray that you'll give us the strength to do this by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.